I also want to say that at the end of this message, we're going to take communion together. So if you are watching online and, um, and joining us that way, just you might at some point grab your elements, uh, grab some uh, crackers and juice or donuts and coffee or whatever it is that uh, we're going to do. We're going to do um, bread and juice here. So grab that, be ready for that. And we'll take that at the end of the message. Today we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about, and James hits this one a couple times. Um, He did in chapter one. He said, if you're going through trials and you need wisdom, ask God and God will give you the wisdom you need without judging you, without coming down hard on you and and you feeling like you should have already known that, right? Um, God will give that to you. He's generous in that way. He's coming back, James is coming back to the idea of wisdom. And in this, this time, he's talking about leadership. He's talking about developing as a believer, as a disciple, and the wisdom that comes along with that. James. We're following James. We're reading James because we want to be effective disciples. We want, we want to hear his advice and his wisdom for us as disciples today. He lived in a time when it was quite challenging to be a follower of Jesus, um, and ultimately he, he gave his life for it. For us, we're not likely to give our physical lives for it, but we have to kind of give our life on a daily basis if we're going to be disciples of Jesus. James has some really good things to say to that. That's why we're reading and studying James. Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Good sense generally accepted beliefs, and accumulated philosophical, that's a big word, huh? Or scientific learning, the accumulation of that, that would be the noun of wisdom. The world has its system of thought and its way of thinking and things that it would call wisdom. It's not quite up to the standard of God's wisdom because it's based in our sinful nature, right? But it's a form of wisdom and it's it's what we generally hear as wisdom. But it's really different from what God calls wisdom. And the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom as well. If you've ever read Proverbs, you get a lot of wisdom, And wisdom shows up in different ways. In fact, it's uh, depicted as a person. It's so important. We are instructed to seek wisdom as a precious jewel, as, uh, as something that is more valuable than anything else. We should be seeking wisdom. Now, if you were to have the Bible define wisdom, it would be a little bit different than Webster's. It would be the knowledge and the practice, the knowledge and the practice of the requirements for godly and upright living. In other words, the ability to properly apply knowledge. Have you ever known somebody who knew a lot about something up here, but had never done it? They knew all the book smarts, but hadn't been in the field yet? That would be knowledge without wisdom. Wisdom comes when you've been in the field for a bit and you know how to apply those tools that you learned. 
Wisdom is learned. Wisdom is observed and to be sought. And wisdom is also given by God. I, uh, here's an example of, of learning. I have a good friend who lives a couple doors down from me, comes from another country, another culture. And this year, he was learning to tend his yard. He is learning to tend his yard for the first time. Coming from a place and a culture where he had never mowed the lawn before. Maybe they didn't have lawns, right? So, so he's mowing the lawn. We, he's got a new mower. It's nice. And, and, he, and the grass really needed to be cut. Like it was tall. This was his first whack at it. He had the mower deck set all the way down on one and was just working his tail off cutting this grass. And I mean, you, you know the rings that get cut in there and the bumps and you hit the, the dirt when it's uneven and rocks. And, and okay, so he was willing. He had the right heart. He was doing it, but he had not had the experience. I happened to stop by. If, if you've ever talked to me about yard work, you know that I care about yard work. I care about that. Um, and I... <clears throat> That's a, that's a rabbit trail. I'm not going to go. Okay, all right. Um, so, so we just talked, and, he, and he, was, he was so, like, he was asking. He, he wanted to know. He was not pretending that he knew. He was just like, hey, I, talk to me about this thing. How do I use this? You know, what does this do? And so I, I jumped the, the deck up to, like, four, and, and I said, okay, now, if you want it shorter than that, then you can go over it again. But right now, you just got to get the tall stuff down and... Um, and he was gaining wisdom in that moment because he asked for it and he was experiencing it. He wasn't just kind of reading about it in a book. He was actually doing it. That was, that was wisdom that he gained right there. James 1, 5, I referenced this earlier, says that we are to ask God and he will give us wisdom without judging us in the process. We want to grow in wisdom. We want to have um, what God wants for us. We want the benefits of wise living. We want to avoid the pain and the trouble that comes from living without wisdom. And in this section of James that we're about to hit, the apostle continues to address those who are growing in the Lord as disciples. And some of these that he's talking to are actually thinking about stepping into leadership. Remember last week we were reading and it says, not many of you should want to be teachers. He's talking to those that, that are growing and developing and maybe stepping into leadership. And he could also be talking to those who were already in leadership and needed a little bit of a course correction on what wisdom was. Those that would seek to mature to the point of leading others need to be wise. And we need to recognize that there are two kinds of wisdom. Lord, we come to your word today in humility. We come to be instructed and taught, and undoubtedly we have our own ideas of what's right and what's wrong and how life is, but Lord, we are willing to be taught, and we're asking for your wisdom today. Would you open your word to us in Jesus' name? James chapter 3, we're starting in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. 
This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Lord, bless your word in our hearts today. There's two kinds of wisdom that James talks about here. And the first one is the one that is not from above, which means it is from below. We have earthly, natural, and even demonic, it is called. It's characterized by arrogance and dishonesty. He says, if you have selfish ambition, if you have um, bitter jealousy in your heart, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. Arrogant means to glory against, to exalt over, to boast oneself in oneself to the injury of another person. I know the truth and you don't and I'm sticking with it. That's arrogance. He says, don't, don't, if you see these things in your heart, don't, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. To lie against the truth is to deliberately put falsehoods out there and actively deny reality. That's, that's what lying against the truth is. It's denying reality. It's, it's saying, nope, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. This is what's true. Denying reality. James says, don't do that because this wisdom is not from above. It might feel right and it might even match what the world does. This is how the world thinks. The motivations of selfish ambition, the motivation of jealousy. That's normal. That's, that's the way the world works. I see something I want and I go after it. You have something I want, and I'm upset that you have it, and I don't. And so that becomes a motivation for the way that I live, the way that I act. Um, and um, ambition, ambition. I, I set this thing before me. That's where I'm going, and I will do whatever it takes to get there. I will do whatever it takes, even if it costs you something. I will do what it takes. Ambition. Selfish ambition. Now, you could be ambitious for other things that weren't you, but this is talking about selfish ambition. These things are found in our hearts and James says, don't lie about it. Don't pretend it's not there because you're just denying the truth. You're just denying the reality. That wisdom that is evidenced by those things is earthly. It comes from earth. It comes from the natural realm. It comes from the way that we will think as humans, but our human nature is not at God's standard. Why? Because we've got sin in us, because we're, we're independent, we're rebellious. And so it's informed by that. We would call it wisdom, but it doesn't think like God thinks. James says it's earthly, it's natural. Natural meaning governed by the soul. A, uh, it is sensuous in nature, with its, and, and it's subjected to the appetite and passion of the flesh. It's in harmony with the corrupt desires 
It's working that way. And then he says demonic. And I kind of raised my eyebrows when I read that. I was like, ooh, demonic. You're taking it all the way there. Okay. That's, you know, it's bad, it's bad, it's really bad. That's what demonic means. Yeah. It's not good, it's bad, and it's really bad. Demonic, and that means it's resembling or proceeding from an evil spirit. And so what happens is the enemy feeds on this in our nature. Many times the enemy doesn't even have to think up something or be creative to get us to stumble and mess us up. He just, he just touches things that are already in our nature and inspires us in that way. He, he will enable it and promote it when he sees these things, ambition, selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. So what happens when you do those things, when you act according to that, when you live that way, according to the wisdom of this world, you get some fruit. You get results. But is it results that you really want? First one we see in here is back to dishonesty. Because we have these kind of motives and we, and we feel guilty about it and so we deny it. No, I don't know. I don't have any selfish ambition. Nope. I am not jealous one little bit. We cover our motives. We justify our actions. We deny the reality. And when there is dishonesty, the foundation is off kilter. This is a bad foundation to build anything. If you are, if you are starting from lies then nothing on top of that can be good, even if the intentions are, are good. Jealousy. It means I want what someone else has. It's not fair that they should have it and not me. And the word bitter, the adjective bitter in there, means that it's pervasive enough in your mind. It's, it's something that fills your mind enough that you actually act on it. It's not just the idea of being jealous. It's being so jealous that you do things out of that jealousy. It's showing on the outside. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard this in political discourse lately, the phrase, ooh, they said the quiet part out loud, right? The part that's supposed to be secret and the, the motivation behind the curtain and they accidentally said it out loud. That's, that's what bitter does to jealousy. It makes it come out. Ambition is another fruit of this wisdom from the world, yearning for distinction. You want to be set apart. You want to be recognized. It's a desire to put oneself forward. And it shows in partisanship. It shows in factitiousness. You can be a divisive person because your ambitions. And it's the willingness to do what's necessary to get where it's going. Selfish the adjective for ambition there means that the ambition is geared only towards my own benefit. Where I could be ambitious towards the kingdom and have great ideas and things that I'm willing to give everything for, for the kingdom or for other people, this kind of ambition is self-centered. That's another fruit of the wisdom of this world. Another one is disorder. James says disorder, where there's um, ambition and jealousy, then disorder is found. And disorder creates an, an atmosphere of instability. where You can't build good things on that. It's a state of, of disturbance or confusion. And 
it happens this way because the motivations are off. The motivators are jealousy and ambition, which we're denying we have in the first place. James also says that where these things are present, every evil thing, every evil thing, they flow from and have their roots in jealousy and ambition. Um, it opens the door for the enemy to work. Every evil thing. And, and have you ever been in, a, been in a conversation where you said the wrong thing? Everybody's already there. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Okay. I know, but there's more. <laughs> you said the wrong thing and then it got twisted and then it got tangled and it got misunderstood and then over here other people got involved and pretty sure uh, pretty soon we have this mess this mess and there was all this this opportunity opened by saying the wrong thing by speaking from the wrong heart and it was and it was it opened the door for all kinds of trouble in the same way every evil thing has an open door when the roots of a situation are jealousy and ambition. And, and the, the last fruit, he doesn't mention it here verbatim, but it is disconnection from God. This is, this is kind of the, the result of any of those fruits, is it drives us away from God. It drives us out of the relationship that we're supposed to have with God. People leaning on their own wisdom means that they're not leaning on the Lord's wisdom. And they want to walk independently of God. And so it just naturally separates you from the Father. Now, if we, as disciples, want to lead others to Jesus, we want to be disciples and to make disciples, that is what we want to do. But we're operating from this kind of wisdom, just naturally, because it just naturally happens, then we will not get where we want to go. If we, run, if we run all sorts of good things and ideas and plans through this filter of worldly wisdom, then the result will not be good or healthy. It cannot be good because it's contaminated by those things. Some of it might look good on the outside, but the core will be rotten. But the wisdom from above, James says, is on a higher plane than us. It's above. It's from God. We read in the Old Testament that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is way beyond our comprehension, so much higher. So when he gives us wisdom, when he gives us instruction, it is worth listening to. His understanding is far beyond ours. That wisdom, that's what we're asking God for when we ask for wisdom. We're not asking for, for earthly wisdom. We're not asking for the best way to go about it in the world system. We're asking for his wisdom, the way that he thinks. God's wisdom. First, God's wisdom is pure. And this is the foundation of the wisdom of God. James even puts the word first in there. The, it's the most important thing. It's the foundational thing. It is first pure. Its motivations are good. The foundation of, of, of the thought process is good. And that means that it is free from every fault. It is immaculate. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon has just been crowned king. 
and, um, and he's figuring out how to, to rule this nation of Israel. And he has a dream, and, and God comes to him in this dream and says, ask of me whatever you want, and, and I'll give it to you. The ultimate blank check. I mean, this is like... And Solomon says, instead of asking for riches or long life or um, uh, prosperity or even peace, he asks for wisdom. He says, you've made me king, and now I need your wisdom to rule this people, or we're all hosed. <laughs> like, we're going to be in a world of hurt if I don't have your wisdom to do this. Solomon knew that if he went by his wisdom and what he thought was right or what the kings around him did as a standard, he would ruin this thing. And so he asked God for wisdom. Give me wisdom to do the thing. And this is a prayer that we can learn and maybe we'll pray this at the end. Give me your wisdom to do the thing that you've asked me to do. I cannot tell you how often I pray this. <laughs> God, you have put me in a place where I need your wisdom. You have given me something to do that cannot be done by the world's wisdom. Growing in Jesus, being a disciple, uh, reaching the people that he has for us to reach, saying the things that he has for us to say cannot be done in the world's wisdom. They cannot be done in your own thinking. You need God's wisdom. And God says he'll give it to us freely if we ask him. But God's wisdom is first pure. Now, what's the fruit of godly wisdom? James gives us a nice list here. These are the things that you will exhibit if you are walking in God's wisdom. You will be peaceable, loving peace, and even looking to create peace. You will be gentle, which means equitable and fair and mild, not harsh or reactionary and arbitrary. Ooh, I'm talking to us parents right there. Gentle. You will be reasonable, easily obeying, compliant, um, in other words, approachable, easy, uh, easily entreated, will be reasonable. You will also be full of mercy and good fruits, James says. Uh, mercy is the kindness and goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted with the desire to help them. That's what mercy means. And other good fruits, the results of righteousness. But James says, full of mercy, full of good fruits. That means that this will be the thing that defines you. This will be the, uh, the predominant thought in your mind. And what characterizes how you act is mercy. You will be unwavering and without hypocrisy. Consistent and tireless in doing the right things. This kind of wisdom doesn't change its tune in a different environment, right? It's the same in whatever environment. It is always seeking peace, always, always seeking righteousness, always full of mercy, always reasonable and gentle. This is what the wisdom of God looks like. And I don't know about you, but I could use some more of that. 
I could use some more of that peace. I could be more reasonable. I could be a lot more gentle probably. And while I might have some mercy and good fruits, I want to be full of mercy. I want that to be the main thing that I think about. Caring for other people with a desire to help them. And I want to be consistent. I don't want to be different in different places. In verse 18, James throws this in at the end. And, and it almost seems, almost seems like a different thought. He says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'm going to rearrange the words a little bit and, and make some different sense of that. Essentially, he's saying righteousness is the result of someone operating in the wisdom from above and the peace that comes with it. Righteousness, which is integrity, uh, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, anything that God calls right, correct thinking, uh, correct feeling, correct acting, all according to God. These things are a result of someone who is operating in the wisdom that comes from above and the peace that accompanies it. When you have, I'm going to flip it around now. When we work to create peace because wisdom will lead us to do it, the fruit is righteousness. The result is righteousness. When we have God's wisdom, the result is righteousness. Does anybody want more of this with me? There's two kinds of wisdom. There's the world's wisdom and there's God's wisdom. And James says, don't operate by the world's wisdom. Don't do that. That's not the way the kingdom's to be built. You want to you wanna work with God's wisdom. And as we read several weeks ago in James chapter one, he will grant it to us without trouble at all. All we have to do is ask. Ask. Uh, Seth, I'll have you come forward here. Here's, here's my paraphrase. I've, I've taken to doing this lately, and this one I actually hand wrote before I put it in, <laughs> before I typed it in. That way I could scratch it out and, and do all this. But listen to this passage in a, in a different way. This is a paraphrase. Starting in verse 13. You who are growing into leaders... If someone claims to be endowed with spiritual and practical wisdom or claims to be intelligent and experienced, then their life had better show it. They will not show it by boasting or with loud words, but in quiet or even a chill attitude that pays more attention to the people around them. Be honest about what's in your heart. Don't try and fool anyone because it doesn't work out in the end. If you are looking to gain influence as a leader for the wrong reasons, then you need to deal with that. Do not be arrogant and deny the reality of the situation. Be honest. Let's deal with that and move on. These motivations of jealousy and and ambition 
These attitudes are not from God, but actually have their roots in your own sinful nature and in the world's system of thought. They're also informed by, by the demonic. And the enemy even inspires and pushes these things because if he can get you to think this way and operate this way, then it opens the door for him to wreak havoc in and through us. The fruit of the world's wisdom is not good. But the wisdom that comes from God, true wisdom, always has pure motives. It always seeks to love God and to care for people. This wisdom loves peace and seeks to establish peace. It is gentle and fair. It's approachable and easy to work with. This wisdom is full of goodwill and kindness towards the miserable and downtrodden, always looking for ways to lift them up. This wisdom is consistent and tireless in doing good. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting, according to God, is the result of someone operating in the wisdom from above and the peace that comes with it. Lord, thank you for your word today. I pray that it would sink in, that we would hear you, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would correct us and teach us the way we need to be corrected and taught. Yes, Lord. We're going to prepare for communion so we can begin passing the elements now. As growing disciples, we want to be moving forward in our discipleship. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to stop growing. We don't want to stop learning. And as we grow and learn more, we begin to lead others. It's just kind of the natural pattern. We begin to, to lead others. Thank you. Even though James says, not many of you should want to be teachers. Maybe the key word in that is want to be. Because with your wisdom and experience, as you, as you keep growing, you end up discipling others. It's not an overnight thing. It's a process. And if your life doesn't look right right now, you just simply need to come to God and ask for the wisdom. He's always ready to be generous. He's always ready to give you the wisdom you need. When we see the wrong motives creeping up in our heart, and they will, we need to quickly acknowledge it as the wisdom of this world and not God's wisdom. And then we ask God, would you give me your wisdom? We want to see your heart, Lord. Your heart for the church, your heart for the people around us, your heart for us. We want to create peace and righteousness wherever we go. And so with this heart, we come to communion. Communion is a powerful reminder of the relationship that we have with the Father. And we have this because of what Jesus did. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Our sinful nature, our, our decisions against God and, 
our decisions of independence have set us outside of relationship with God. We have chosen our own way and not his. And so we were separated. And even bigger than the choices was the consequence of those choices because the consequence of sin, the payment of sin, the the penalty for sin is death. Complete separation. But Jesus came to deal with that and he did. And he, he gave his body and his blood. The bread represents his body. Jesus, in the, in the Last Supper, took the bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body given for you. Jesus gave his body for us in our place, taking on himself the punishment of our sins. Now that punishment that we so richly deserved no longer stands between us and the Father. And we are free to be in relationship with him. So we take the bread together gratefully. The juice represents his blood. Jesus poured out his blood as a sacrifice, as a sacrificial lamb, according to the system that he was in. His blood deals with all our sins, all the sins we have done, all the sins we we will do. It even deals with the sinfulness of our heart and the condition from which sin flows. And Jesus said that the cup represents a new way of relating to the Father. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. We're clean, we're redeemed, and we're in relationship with the Father again. We gratefully take the cup together. Hang on to your cups for a minute. After we pray, we'll pass them towards the center aisles. Lord Jesus, as we seek to follow you and to be like you, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that's higher than than our human, our worldly wisdom. We seek the results of your wisdom. We want our life to, to look like that. We want these fruits from your wisdom and not the fruits of the world's wisdom. We've seen the results of the world's wisdom. We don't want that. We are asking you for your wisdom, the wisdom with pure motives that produces peace and gentleness, that produces consistency and mercy in our lives. We want your wisdom. We want our lives to look like you, Jesus. That's what we want. We're your disciples. Please work more of this into us, into our hearts. We want to learn. We're asking. Show us. Like my friend learning to mow the lawn. We're willing. We want to do this. Would you show us how? Would you teach us? Holy Spirit, we, we are tuning our hearts into you. 
We're opening our eyes and ears to to see and to hear how you would speak to us and reveal your wisdom. Thank you for working in us. Thank you for being with us. Lord, this is our prayer. Give us your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.